Nebraska Public Media Sports brings you live coverage of the girls and boys NSAA High School Soccer Championships from Morrison Stadium at Creighton University. Monday, May 13th, see Class B girls at 8.30 p.m. Central and Class A girls at 8 p.m. Central on Nebraska Public Media. Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. Lambda was straight by Dawes. Dawes pulls. Larry with pace between the legs, leaves, and it's another three for Hicks. Big time play by Kanye Clary, dropping it off between his legs. Blackwell on the drive from Baldwin. And there's the steal for Kern. He'll keep it himself. Welcome in to Herd Out Sports Radio. I'm Robbie Lula. Andrew Rogers here with me. Hey, man. We are live on AM 590 ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri-Cities. And, uh, well, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, okay? <laughs> we're struggling a little bit here this morning. If you're watching on the stream, you're probably noticing that uh, we're still bundled up a little bit. And that's because we walked into uh, the, the our, our venue here. And the the heat wasn't um, working. Yeah, you know, unlike the song, yeah, the heat is off. It is, yeah, it is not on. Um, the heat is off. Good news is on the restaurant portion of the Hurt at Sports Bar and Grill. It's nice and warm. The heat is on. So when the heat is on, when they open up at uh, eleven for lunch, you'll be good to go over there. Unfortunately, because we're in a different bay of the. Uh, of the area here are all uh, our uh, our heat is not working to the same degree now we've opened it up a little bit trying to get a little warm air in here but yeah that's what's going on that's why we're wearing coats that's why i'm wearing a beanie um and shane is freezing his is took us off over uh-huh. there yeah i walked through the doors this morning yeah it's not good because normally <laughs> you pull open the big double doors to get into our venue side and you get smacked in the face by this heat wave and yeah. you're just like on a day of- or i i guess on, on weeks like yes we've been having that's the best feeling in the entire world and i walk in and i get smacked with frigid temperatures and all I could think of, it's cold AF. <laughs> it's cold AF. It certainly is. Um, I, I believe it was like 50 degrees when Andrew rolled in here. Uh, so that's... 52. Uh, oh, excuse Don't me. sell the venue side short. That's true. They're, they're warming us up over here. Um, and then when I opened up all the doors, which you can... If you walked in, it's kind of like if you took water damage in your house. Yeah. Like all the boxes. And you're trying to like air everything, air <laughs> yeah. everything out. Yeah. So I'm trying to bring the heat over from the other side, and it's gone up two degrees. It Yes. So hopefully, hopefully by the end of the show, we'll be at a balmy 55 and uh, we'll be good to go here. But uh, I, I do want to we've got uh, TK chiming in on Twitter or on, on the YouTube stream already. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube if you don't watch us on the video stream. And uh, he says, good morning, fail, fellas. All hail Nostra Lula. Um, <laughs> I believe that's in in relation to my my Glenn Thomas prediction. Um, which finally came true 
yesterday, which is a huge, huge deal. And, and, and I don't. I think not enough people are making yes. it a big deal when it should be. So I want to put that in context for people here, right? Because I, I think, and I don't know this for sure. Okay. I was pretty certain that Glenn Thomas was coming here, and I think I've been saying that for almost a month now. It's been a minute. Um, I believe, and, and I had some information on that, so that wasn't just a prediction. That was I had some information there. Um, Are you th- telling me we shouldn't trust you, young grasshopper? <laughs> no, you should trust me. I, I mean, I got it right, right? It's better than being sourced is better than just guessing. <laughs> I don't know. I guess um, about rule, and that went pretty well that, for me. That did go well. <laughs> um, the the uh, what I think happened, and this and this kind of goes to your point of how big of a deal Glenn Thomas is. First of all, you're getting an NFL quality quarterback coach, which no big deal matters, right? The other thing is, I feel like if I look at the timing of what I knew and when I knew it. I look at the timing of what changed with Dylan Rayola. I feel like the Glenn Thomas situation and the Dylan Rayola situation have some ties together. And what I mean by that is I believe Rule when he says, you know, Dylan just called me and said, hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, my heart's with Nebraska. I, I want to take another look. And I believe, I believe when he says that. What I also believe is when DB tells me, hey, like they were doing their due diligence. They were checking in on things, you know. You know, I know that like Dylan was talking with Caleb and being like, "Hey, what's it really like up there?" And Dom was talking with DB and being like, "Hey, what are these guys really like?" And all the things that you do when you're trying to make a big decision, right? One of those things I have to believe was being like, "Hey, what's the situation with the quarterbacks coach?" And if my timing in terms of what I knew is correct, I have to believe that Dylan Royola maybe wasn't given a name, but was said, hey, we have a guy who is coaching in the NFL right now that will be our quarterback's coach next year. And I think that may, maybe didn't wasn't the reason Dylan Royola committed, but I think that's one of those things that can give you a comfort level with the situation because – and, and you did a TikTok on this yesterday. I don't know. Have they, have they posted that yet? Not yet. Okay, so you did a TikTok. It'll be posted this morning. So there'll be a TikTok to, to kind of summarize what we're talking about here this morning with the quarterback situation. But Marcus Satterfield was never intended to be the quarterback coach at Nebraska. It just – that wasn't the role that Rule was hiring him mm-hmm. for. Now, he ended up having to put him in that role because some other things fell through, namely Jake Peets, who was supposed to come over from the Rams, Nebraska native – uh, he was supposed to be the quarterback's coach. Sean McVay made a hard push to keep yeah, he Jake He got a Pete. pretty sweet deal there. He did, yeah, and they really wanted him, and so he stayed there. Um, and Marcus Satterfield kind of stepped into a role that, yes, he has coached quarterbacks before. That's generally not his role on an offense. It just isn't. So to have that settled, I think, was a big part in making Dylan Rayola comfortable with his decision. And Glenn Thomas instantly slots up as the most important hire by this Nebraska staff because he's tasked with the most important responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that's developing the top recruit in program history. Absolutely. So that's why I don't want to undersell this moment. No, it's huge. And why I feel it should be getting more hype because I don't think people have realized that, hey, if Dylan Rayola doesn't perform 
like he's intended to, who does that fall on? Mm -hmm. And that can't just fall on Coach Rule because he did his due diligence in recruiting the top recruit in the country. Absolutely. It's all about who develops him, and that's Glenn Thomas. So the pressure's on. It's not going to be an easy task for Thomas, but if and when that works out, you see uh, instant upgrade in this Nebraska offense because of Dylan Raiola's play. If you see him up to the college game speed by the first snap this season or at least within the first three non-conference games this season, mm-hmm. then hats off to Glenn Thomas and he'll be around for a little while, or he'll at least be around as long as he wants to be around. Yeah, because he worked this thing, um, he worked this thing up so that Dylan Rayola is ready to go for this program for the next four or five years. The other point to this too, you mentioned Satterfield, and, and yeah, you don't want to give him the entire blame, um, but it still didn't look good last year, and and you have to remember that. Passing efficiency numbers, Nebraska was 129th of 133 teams. That's bad. That's not good. That's very bad. That's, that's not good. And it's easy. It's, it's very easy to get a better score than that this next year, even if results were the same, right? Even if it was Heinrich Harburg and Chubba Purdy in the room, uh, the likelihood of going 129th again mm-hmm. is, is probably low. I mean, w- could you? Sure. Yeah. But when you... When you bring in a guy like Dylan Rayola, that, that number goes away. Like you, you can kind of already get out of the hundreds and know that you're going to have two digits next to your team's team stat in, in that category. So and I, I don't want to put all that blame on Marcus Satterfield, right? Obviously, the quarterback situation last year was a But I don't mess. think he went about it very well whenever he was pressed in those pressure moments, sure. those in-game moments. And not to say that when he went up to the booth, he abandoned his quarterbacks on the sidelines because that's not true either. Right. Like it, they, they were mixing things up, and, and maybe he felt more comfortable in the booth and you know because he's not he's not used to well that's not true because he he, he did do some things with Spencer Rattler at South Carolina yep. uh, but because you know he wasn't expected to know these guys right away and get to know them um, and then he you know especially as the offensive coordinator you kind of get thrown into spots of most need and when when Nebraska went out and hired Wager mm-hmm. he took over for the tight ends right then and there well, the biggest area of need is quarterbacks, coach. Well, if you don't have room on your staff for that, that kind of just goes into the, the tool belt of the offensive coordinator just because. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is quarterbacks are too important to just be kind of a throw oh, I, on. I couldn't agree to, more. You know, and, I could not agree more. And for you look at a guy like, like Satterfield, which he had, listen, he has coached quarterbacks in the past, but his last stop with – uh, with Rule as ba- at Baylor, he was just the tight ends coach. He wasn't even the offensive coordinator. But like I, I, I think you have to kind of put it in two baskets here, right? So part of what we saw from the quarterbacks last year, I was putting on Satterfield because it seemed like we saw the same mistakes at all three guys, right? In terms of passing the ball, it's like, hey, we saw these mistakes from from Sims. We saw these mistakes from Harburg. We saw these mistakes from Purdy. All right, and so. That I put on Satterfield. That's when I started to say, hey, maybe we need an independent QB coach because at, at first it's like, hey, there's a bunch of injuries. There was no, there was no way to know that Jeff Sims was going to get the yips, basically, in terms of, of turning the ball over. There was no way to know any of that, right? But when they start making the same mistakes across every guy in that room – 
that's when I was like, okay, you probably need somebody specifically for quarterbacks. And so, so I, I kind of put those in two different categories. So part of that number of there being, was it 129 in passing efficiency? Part of that is the situation he was dealt with the quarterbacks and the injuries and, and the Jeff Sims yips, whatever it was. And part of that is probably he wasn't able to give his full focus to coaching quarterbacks because he's the offensive quarterback. Yeah, it's it's just not. And this is Glenn Thomas's strength. So if Dylan Rayola is showing not all of the same issues, but some of those issues early on, Glenn Thomas can immediately address those and know the best course of action. Satterfield just didn't know what route to take because all three quarterbacks, well, all two, and then when Chuba came in, it was kind of a roller coaster Mm -hmm. ride with him. But but the two top quarterbacks on this team were showing the same things. Like, yes, Sims had the yips, but he was turning the ball over and couldn't hold on yeah. to the football. Well, if, if you think back to what happened in the spring, Satterfield was coaching these guys how to take snaps. Mm-hmm. Like, that is the most uh, beginning, yeah, beginner stage. It's the most basic. Uh, uh, and, you're, and you're doing that in college? Mm-hmm. Like, these, these things aren't figured out yet? And it, this is where you're starting with these guys? If he had to start there, no wonder you saw some of the problems that you did this season. They, they, just, they just weren't fully there and fully capable to succeed. But Satterfield didn't know how to address it when things went, went south. And they went south fast. Yeah, and that's something that I think you can have more confidence in – uh, Glenn Thomas in doing this is something I mean he's been a quarterbacks coach for most of his coaching career going all the way back to Midwestern State back in the early 2000s that's where he got his start was quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator he was a quarterbacks coach with the Falcons help kind of mentor Matt Ryan um, that was the the was same he time good he, he ended up being pretty good that was the same time period that he was there uh, in Atlanta then obviously he went with Coach Rule uh, to Temple in 2015. He's been a quarterbacks coach basically his entire career. And that, that was P.J. Walker. Yeah, it was P.J. Walker at Temple. Then he Charlie was with Brewer. Uh, Charlie Brewer at Baylor where he was the co-offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. Um, this is what he does. This is what Glenn Thomas does. Unequivocally, this is what the guy does. And so um, it, it it is a upgrade in terms of position coach for sure. For sure. The other thing that it does is it opens up opportunities for you to it opens up opportunities for you if Satterfield still can't get it done in terms of being the offensive coordinator and play caller because that's a role that Glenn Thomas has done in the past. You've got somebody on staff, you know, Coach Rule talks about all the time with his players, coaching himself into options. Well, he's doing it with his coaching staff, too. He's coaching himself into options. Last year, if he wanted to move on from, from Marcus Satterfield as the play caller at some point in season, he would have had to do it himself. Mm-hmm. Or he would have had to, ha, had to hand it over to an analyst or a grad assistant, probably not something he wanted to do. And taking it on himself is a lot when you're trying to build the culture of a program. Yeah, when you're, when you're still pouring the foundation. Yeah, I, I think once maybe you've got it going a little bit, that's something you could take on. But I, I didn't love it when, when Scott Frost was calling plays here at Nebraska because there's too much to do as the head coach to also be the offensive coordinator and be able to do both well. Now, once you've got it going a little bit, maybe that's something you, you could take on. But um, it gives you an option if – Marcus Satterfield isn't getting it done as the play caller, as the offensive coordinator. That's something that you can shift over to Glenn Thomas and be like, hey, this is something I know you can do. This is something that you've done for me before at both of my stops. 
let's do this again. Um, I think that's certainly an option. The other thing that we have to kind of rolls into this whole situation is the Dana Holgerson part of it all, right? Uh, what I've been told about Dana Holgerson is that his involvement would be as an analyst. That's kind of what I had been told all along. I know some people kind of wanted him in that co-OC role um, and that we should have a decision in the next couple weeks. Um, apparently, they kind of just left the ball in Dana Holgerson's court. I'm wondering if there's like a February 1st buyout date number for Dana Holgerson where maybe some of his money goes from being yearly to a lump sum. You never know with Houston. Uh, a lot of times when you have like, oh, we're going to wait until this date, that's usually what's happening there. Um, but for the people that were kind of hoping that Dana Holgerson would be an OC, co-OC, or a quarterback coach, um, analyst seems to be the place that makes the most sense. Um, that is, and when you hear the, when you hear kind of some of his comments last year about, he seems kind of like he's kind of over the recruiting thing a little bit. Um, analyst makes a little bit more sense for him. Maybe let him recharge his batteries a little bit. He can't go out on the road to recruit anyway, but you still get to pick his offensive mind and, and get the benefit of having Dana Holgerson in the room without having this liability in terms of this guy who's not that interested in recruiting. It's the same benefit that you get from Glenn Thomas if things don't work out with Marcus Sanders. Yeah, you've got another option, right? You've got you've coached yourself you're just covering your bases into in options. Um, Matthew on on the YouTube stream asked what this guy's history is. Um, he's been with Rule a lot. He was with the Falcons before that, as we mentioned. Um, as a quarterback coach, he just was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, he's been a he's a professional quarterback coach. Like that's what he is. He's a he's a professional level quarterback coach. I mean that in the sense of that's what he's an expert in, and in the sense of he's done it at the NFL level uh, for I think a total of like six and, years. And think about this too: the Steelers didn't look fantastic this year at the quarterback position, but they also used a carousel of individuals, yeah. kind of like Nebraska did last season. And he still managed to help get the Steelers in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. You start with Kenny Pickett, and it just didn't go not how you wanted it to go, go. great now some injury yeah. uh, problems happen there too but then they move over to Mitchell Trubisky mm -hmm. and that also was just kind of like ah that'll fizz out then you end in with Mason Rudolph in the playoffs you're starting Mason Rudolph yeah. like this is somebody that had to go through so many different people in one season that think about if he could just stick with that one guy. Well, and it also is kind of encouraging to me because, okay, if Nebraska had been able to weather their quarterback carousel last year the way Pittsburgh did, then we're talking about a bowl game this year as opposed to talking about, ah, man, they lost their last four. They missed a bowl game again. You know, that's what Glenn Thomas was able to do in that spot despite La well, less than ideal circumstances. He understands what Nebraska was put through last yeah. season. So even if something like that were to happen again, Glenn Thomas has the knowledge of how to navigate those situations. Yeah, he's got some experience there uh, going through it with the Steelers this year. So uh, Glenn Thomas is your new quarterback coach at Nebraska. I'm sure we will talk more about that uh, kind of throughout the coming days and weeks uh, because, you know, we're getting mm -hmm. into that time where there's not a lot else to talk about. So. Well, it, there's another Big Ten quarterback that entered the transfer portal that won't be playing yeah. this next season. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I texted you about this last night because I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious how the NCAA kind of just said no. Yeah, makes but, their but decision. But who was in Talia 
Tungavailoa's back pocket mm-hmm. to give him that extra year of eligibility, and that was Nick Saban yep. and, and Alabama and some and some big names there that submitted. Uh, I don't know if they were like written. Yeah, so they wrote or, letters. Yeah, okay. They wrote so, letters. so they submitted some letters to try to get Talia an extra year of eligibility. And I laughed out loud when I was reading the article because Alabama's the reason he doesn't have yeah. that extra year. Yeah. And so it's just funny to me how, like, is this, like, your way of trying to make it right? Yeah. Like, make the world right? Like, you screwed this guy over. You guys absolutely screwed him over because you couldn't track when he took snaps and how many games he appeared in. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that for sure. I also... I don't know with Nick Saban how much they I, – I, like, I, I don't know how much at Alabama they are they care about that because most of the time if you're a good, true freshman – You're going to put him in five games and let him play two snaps in two of those games? Listen, they put him in a bad spot, and I'm guessing that's what the letter said, was that, hey, this is on us, not him. We put him in a bad spot. We didn't, you know, I'm guessing that's what the letters yeah, were the about. Yeah, rules are rules. And that's what NC- the NCAA came back with Basically. and said, you guys just can't get your can't wish count. Yeah. because you're the ones that screwed up. Yeah. And I also, I mean, I also have to put this on the NCAA a little bit because it's like, okay, they've given exceptions for dumber reasons. Like they get, they give their exceptions. That's the problem that I have with this situation. Is yes, should Alabama have been able to count to four correctly? Yeah, that would have been ideal. But also, the NCAA gives exceptions seemingly at random. Like there's really no rhyme or like if you look at some of the guys that have gotten exceptions. Like I don't know why Casey Thompson has a seventh year. I don't understand it. I like I don't get it. And that's nothing against Casey Thompson. I just I don't understand his case for it at all. I don't understand basically anybody's case that has gotten the seventh year uh, of eligibility or even a lot of the sixth years of eligibility like uh, like Talia Tagovailoa is looking for. I get that at the end of the day, it's on Bama. It's on that situation to be able to count to four correctly, and that doesn't seem like a big ask, and I get it. But I also – it kind of just brings up this bigger issue that frustrates me about the NCAA where it's like – yeah, on one day they feel like I'll give, giving out some waivers. On the next day they're like, no more waivers. Like, and w- what harm does it do if you are giving a sixth year to Tagovailoa, but not a, but you're but you're okay giving a seventh year to Casey Thompson? Well, like, that's, it's just a different it's a different way of writing that law uh, in, in yeah, the rule book. I it's, guess. It's if you get injured, you'll be okay. <laughs> I guess maybe they should have faked an injury from back in in 2019. I, I swear when he when he took that snap against Duke, he just wasn't healthy. You know, like yeah, it's like oh, he got banged up. Otherwise, he would have played more. It's like, you know, like it's it's kind of a dumb way to go about things. Um, you feel for Tagovailoa a little bit, but at the same time, I don't know that going somewhere else next year would improve his draft stock. I kind of think he is who he is at this point. Um, Depends on where he lands. Maryland's not a, a great no, but it's uh, not a, a like great he'd... spot to really showcase your skills because you don't have the crazy skill options that some of the bigger programs. But it's have. not like he didn't put up numbers. He's the, he's the Big Ten's all. Time leading passer, yeah. passer. Yeah, like he, look, he's he's a fantastic player, but think about how inflated his numbers could be if he sure. was surrounded by may, maybe somebody that isn't a three star, but a four star or a five star. And you know, you go to Miami before Cam Ward got to Miami because this process could have been sped up yeah. for Talia yeah. if, if the NCAA really wanted it to. He could have ended in Miami. He would have been around his brother. He would be training with his brother down in Miami, and boom, you know. You're, 
Think of where Miami is in the recruiting rankings. I just don't think an extra year does anything for his draft stock. I really don't. Uh, coming up, well, though. If he, if he can inflate his stats at Maryland, he can definitely do that <laughs> around some top-end skill players. Yeah, but that doesn't change who he is as a quarterback. Uh, coming up, we've got uh, quite a bit to get to today. We'll set up the show coming up next on Hard Sports Radio.